Core values. I'm teaching a university class titled Writing in the Disciplines. And as it's a required class for third year students, it's designed to prepare them for their careers. Further, it's held at a Christian university and so has its foundation on focusing on providing biblically centered education, scholarship, and service in order to equip their young men and women in mind and character to impact the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. As such, its three core values are truth, transformation, and testimony very similar to the core values of our church, which are to teach, touch, and transform. What exactly are core values, and how do they affect our decisions, our behavior, our mindsets? Core values are the fundamental beliefs of a person, the guiding principles which direct behavior and help people understand the difference between right and wrong. They determine what their goals are and how they're going to reach them. Although core values may be affected by many different things, most core values are established through family as they're the ones who impact spiritual, emotional, physical, and financial principles through their modeling, their lifestyle, and daily teaching. Teachers are another significant guiding force, and as one gets older, it's peers who may impress their own principles upon us. Well, what are some of the recognized core values that can influence our lives? A belief or a lack of belief in God or connection to the church? A belief in responsibility toward family? A belief in honesty and recognition of others as trustworthy? A belief in using resources wisely and spending within one's means. A belief in maintaining a healthy lifestyle and taking care of one's physical body. A belief in the fact that one's life has value and they have a purpose and an ability to accomplish what they set out to do. It's easy to see how these core values will determine one's life's choices, from the people they'll accept as close friends, to the person they'll choose as their spouse, to even the work they'll do and the satisfaction they have in achieving it. For just as it's true that individuals have core values, so do companies. And some job satisfaction is a direct result of the alignment of a person's core values with that of their companies. Simon Sinek, a British-American author and motivational speaker, recognized how important it is that great leaders and organizations think, act, and communicate. And he shares these in a 2017 TED Talk titled Empathy. And he relates about a young man who was so vibrant and warm and open, who simply served him coffee. And he was so impressed that he gave this young man a 100% tip. And so he asked him, do you like your job? And the young man eagerly responded and said, I love my job. But he went on to explain that he loved his job because his company valued his input and appreciated what he did for them and allowed him to use his gifts to benefit their customers. He went on to say that he also serves coffee at another company, but this company is more interested in profits and has little concern for their employees or their customers. And this coldness, this lack of concern, 
douses his fire and his enthusiasm. And so he doesn't really care as much for his job there. Clearly seeing value in what we do and feeling valued in our service is an important factor in working with excitement and reaching our fullest potential. Thank God that we have a savior who's able to inspire us to give our very best as he's given his best and loves us the most. But just as we can see the core values of a company and how they impact our behavior, even more so we need to realize that we can be influenced by negative core values. One site I checked out suggested these negative core values. And as I read them, I realized how greatly they can adjust the way one thinks and acts. See what you think. A belief that the world is fundamentally a brutal place and that only the strong will survive. A belief that people are powerless to change their fates or personal situations. A belief that you don't deserve good things or relationships in life. A belief that other people are fundamentally untrustworthy and unloving. A belief that life is meaningless. As I read each of these, I became keenly aware of people I've met who exhibit these negative core values and then understood better why they do what they do. How about you? Do any of these core values, these negative ones, resonate with you or do you recognize them in someone you know? It can certainly explain a lot and ultimately helps us in ministering to others and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us into his way of thinking. The psalmist, for instance, stood, stayed awake at night thinking of God's promises or his mighty works. How much more peaceful of a rest we'll achieve if we're meditating on the Lord than on the worries of the world, or even worse, on how to get even with somebody else. For the prophet Micah writes, What sorrow awaits you who lie awake at night thinking up evil plans? You rise at dawn and hurry to carry them out, simply because you have the power to do so. King Solomon warns, Fools base their thoughts on foolish assumptions, so their conclusions will be wicked madness. Jesus warns about such thinking, and Paul cautions against letting anyone capture us with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Further, he tells the Philippians to fix their thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable, to think about these things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Similarly, Peter writes that he wanted to stimulate his readers into wholesome thinking and refresh their memory of who Christ is, what he's done, and that he's coming back again. But what about those who do not know God? Well, Paul writes about their thoughts and hence their negative core values as well in Romans chapter 1. And he talks that they are the ones who suppress the truth, those who don't worship God or give him thanks. And as a result, think up foolish ideas of what God was like, resulting in a dark and confused mind 
which leads them to worship idols and animals. In rejecting God, they reject everything he says and leaps into carnality and every form of evil. But as the prophet Isaiah implores, let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, but for he will forgive generously. And it's not only the wicked that has to change their thinking and behavior, for Paul goes on in Romans chapter 2 to chastise his readers for judging those who do wicked things while at the same time doing them also. He writes to the Corinthians that they have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. For at one time, we thought of Christ merely from that perspective as well. But how differently we know him now. Yet we may still sometimes have blind spots in our thinking, continuing in patterns of thought and attitude or behavior not yet in alignment with God's. This was certainly true for some of the well-known people of the Bible. For instance, Abraham's deception was an exceptional, acceptable core value. If it could get him what he wanted and his future generations, they all adopted this negative core value as well. How do we know this? Well, Abraham made a pact with his wife, Sarah, that whenever they entered a land that she was to admit to being his sister and not his wife so his life could be spared. This occurred just after his incredible conversation with God in which God promised to bless him and make him famous and instructed him to be a blessing to others. Even though God had pronounced this amazing blessing upon him and his multitude of offspring, Abraham clearly doubted God's protection and proceeded to falsify his relationship with Sarah. The result, others weren't blessed. Pharaoh saw beautiful Sarah and he took her into his palace and gave Abraham lots of gifts for her. Well, what happened then? Because the Lord intended to produce offspring through the union of Sarah and Abraham and that the son of promise, Isaac, was to be born to them, he couldn't have Sarah living with Pharaoh or becoming his wife. And thus he sent terrible plagues on Pharaoh and on his whole household forcing Pharaoh to release Sarah. This deception happened again when they traveled to the land of King Abimelech. And even though Sarah knew she was too old to conceive a child, and even though God still promised them a child would be born from their union, Abraham still introduced Sarah as his sister to spare his own life. Thus, the king took her into his palace because she was so beautiful, even at her age. Once again, God moved swiftly to protect his plans and his promises. And he spoke to Abimelech to make sure to return this woman because she was married. Well, Abraham, mortified as he was, asked God for mercy and rebuked Abraham for his deception. As we read, Sarah was in fact Abraham's half-sister, but this negative core value of deception was passed down to Abraham's sons and grandsons, in which there was no semblance of truth in their falsehoods. Isaac, their son, traveled to the land of King Abimelech and deceived him again in the same manner, saying his wife, Rebekah, was his sister, although there was no truth in that at all. 
Then we see Rebecca encouraging her favorite son Jacob to deceive his father Isaac so he could steal the blessing from his brother Esau. In turn, when Jacob must flee to his uncle Laban's house because Esau wanted to kill him, Jacob is deceived by his uncle and given Leah as his first wife instead of Rachel, whom he loved. Yet again, Jacob's sons deceive him after they've sold their brother Joseph into slavery, claiming a wild beast had killed Joseph. Through this, we see the negative core value of deception for personal gain appearing again and again across the generations with disastrous and painful consequences. Are there negative core values that you can see your family has subtly or overtly imparted to you? You can free yourself from them today by asking the Holy Spirit to cleanse your mind and your heart. And we can let the Spirit renew our thoughts and our attitudes, recognizing that what we once thought valuable is actually worthless because of what Christ has done for us. The benefits of such renewed thinking are infinite and eternal. For one, God promises that he will keep us in perfect peace, whose minds are stayed on him. And in today's world of uncertainty, having God's perfect peace is definitely a reason to fix our thoughts on him and allow him to transform our core values, our fundamental beliefs, our guiding principles onto his perfect ways. God bless you, everybody. God bless you.